Very good morning and a very warm welcome to you all this morning. It's always lovely to see people in person, but we also extend our welcome to those who are joining us online as well. And this morning, a particularly warm welcome to our visiting speaker, to Claire Bedford, who joins us from Chad, and also her family that join us too. It's uh, lovely to see you all. And we look forward, Claire, to hearing your update and what it is that God has laid on your heart to share with us this morning. We begin this Father's Day with some words from Psalm 91 uh, that remind us that no matter, no matter what our earthly father was like, our heavenly one is utterly trustworthy and loves us unswervingly. You who sit down in the high God's presence, spend the night in Shaddai's shadow, say this, God, you're my refuge. I trust in you and I'm safe. That's right. He rescues you from hidden traps, shields you from deadly hazards. His huge outstretched arms protect you. Under them, you're perfectly safe. His arms fend off all harm. Fear nothing, not wild wolves in the night, not flying arrows in the day, not disease that prowls through the darkness not disaster that erupts at high noon. Even though others succumb all around, drop like flies right and left, no harm will even graze you. You'll stand untouched. Watch it all from a distance. Watch the wicked turn into corpses. Yes, because God's your refuge. The high God, your very own home. Evil can't get close to you. Harm can't get through the door. He ordered his angels to guard you wherever you go. If you stumble, they'll catch you. Their job is to keep you from falling. You'll walk unharmed among lions and snakes and kick young lions and serpents from the path. If you'll hold on to me for dear life, says God, I'll get you out of any trouble. I'll give you the best of care. If only get to know and trust me. Call me and I'll answer. Be at your side in bad times. I'll rescue you, then throw you a party. I'll give you a long life, give you a long drink of salvation. So it is to God that we give the glory this morning, as no matter what our circumstances, we can be assured of his continued care for his children. Let's stand and sing a couple of songs, the first of which is to God. Be the glory. Let's stand if we're able. Bye. 
do sit down. May I lead you now in a prayer written by a lady called Debbie McDaniel. Dear Father God, we praise you today with our hearts and songs. We praise you for your faithfulness. We praise you for your great power and love. We confess our need for you. Our lives don't go so well when we just spin around on our own. We struggle and worry, get weary and worn. Yet you never leave us. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your care over us. Thank you that you breathe renewal right into our souls. We ask for your spirit to fill us now, to draw us close to yourself and to work your purposes through us as we set our eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen. And now Margaret's going to come and share with us our reading for today. Thank you, Margaret. The reading this morning is taken from Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. If not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendour, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But first seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Before we gather around the table that's uh, clearly laid for communion, I want to um, take some time to prepare, for us to prepare ourselves for that. I know that I can be guilty of sort of just rushing to a table, certainly when there's food involved, but I, I can do it here as well, and I know I'm guilty there. And so I'd like to encourage you to, to take some time and due consideration as we gather around the Lord's table. And then to help us do that, um, we're going to, or rather Beth is going to sing a song for us. It's one that she found and has introduced me to, and I've just found it really helpful, and I hope you too. 
I hope you do as well. It's the, the lyrics of which you can find on the piece of papers that are on the, the, um, the sheets of paper around you. Now, for those of you who are online, let me just read you just a few of the lines. It speaks of this whole idea of just keeping up a bit of a mask about how we feel, about what's going on in our heads, what's going on in our relationship with God. And it's an opportunity this person is taking to just lay it out to God. And, and seeing the need to do that in order to be healed, either with their relationship with God or relationship with others. It says, I don't know why it's so hard to admit it when being honest is the only way to fix it. There's no failure, no fall. There's no sin you don't already know. So let the truth be told.
and it's out of control. I say it's under control, but it's not. And you know it. I don't know why it's so hard to admit it. When being honest is the only way to fix it. There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin you don't already know. There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin you don't already know. So let the truth be told. Let's pray. Lord God, I come to you to simply place my sins before you one by one and ask that in your grace you would forgive me all my sins, every one of them, whether it was a wrong thought, a careless word, a selfish motive or a sinful action whether it was due to something grievous that I did or something that I should have done but have omitted omitted to do so. Lord, I do confess my need of Jesus Christ as my Saviour for I acknowledge that there is no one else who is good enough to pay the price for sin. And by your love and grace you have opened the floodgates of your cleansing blood for me. You washed every one of my sins clean away, removing them as far as the east is from the west, for which I praise and worship you. Thank you for dying for my sins and for taking the punishment that I justly deserved. Thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, to suffer and to die me. Lord, we praise you and worship you for such amazing love. Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. (coughs) Do this as an act of remembrance for me. We shall eat as we are served as a sign of our individual acceptance of Christ in our lives.
In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I ask that you keep the cup until we can all drink together as a mark of a family that has gathered together at the Lord's table. blood of Christ was poured out for you. So we drink. Our Heavenly Father loves us so much that he gave us his only Son and it is through him that we may know the Father and we can be called children of God. When we really consider the enormity of such a statement it really is mind-blowing. To know And to live our lives in this knowledge is such a rich gift. So let us now honour him with with acknowledging who he is, our good, good father. So let's stand to sing.
Jesus. And now Alison is going to come and lead us in our prayers for the wider world. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, yes, we come to pray now, um, loosely called the intercessions. Uh, I've decided this morning to base our prayers around one of the songs that we sing, and that song speaks of a broken world. And uh, I want to think particularly about the fact of the brokenness of, in our world leads to, leads to poverty, and poverty comes in many forms. So, shall we pray? Lord, we pray for beauty, for brokenness, hope for despair. Lord, in your suffering world, this is our prayer. <clears throat> Father God, we grieve with you for your broken and suffering world. Forgive us when our response to this is at times indifferent and inadequate. And forgive us that we have so often turned our backs on the brokenness of your world. We pray for those who are broken by financial poverty. Those in our own country and around the world. Those who cannot afford to feed their families. For those whose living conditions make them vulnerable to disease and in ill health. For children denied the opportunity of an education. For those for whom each day is a struggle to survive. Those children and adults of all ages living on the streets. And we can only lift up these people broken by the poverty of lack of finances, lack of financial support and lack of dignity. And we do pray for good decisions to be made by governments worldwide that would enable the economy of that country to develop <clears throat> and increase. And we pray for those agencies seeking to help these suffering people, suffering for lack of finances. God of the poor, friend of the weak, give us compassion, we pray. And Father, we bring before you those who are broken by their own circumstances which they have not brought upon themselves. We pray for 
those suffering with addictions, for those whose only peace is to self-harm, for those with mental illness, the sexual, mentally and physically abused, the unemployed, the homeless, the lonely, all living broken lives. And Lord, the brokenness of these people's lives is compounded by feelings of worthlessness, inadequacy, hopelessness, fear and anxiety. For them we pray, shelter for fragile lives, cures for their ills, work for the craftsmen, trade for their skills. God of the poor, friend of the weak, grant us compassion, we pray. And Lord, we pray for those who are broken and suffering poverty because of war and its its effects. Father, we pray for homes and towns unnecessarily destroyed in war. For lives cruelly taken by extremist actions. For lasting injuries and inflictions upon people. For those needing medical aid. We pray for families separated, husbands from wives, children from parents, and children now orphaned. For places of work bombed, for basic daily supplies cut off, and for displaced people and refugees. So, Lord, we pray for refuge for cruel wars, havens from fear, cities for sanctuary, freedoms to share, land for the dispossessed, strength for the weak, voices to plead the cause of those who cannot speak, peace for the killing fields, Scorched earth to green, Christ for the bitterness, his cross for the pain. God of the poor, friend of the weak, grant us compassion, we pray. And finally, we pray for those whose lives are broken and whose lives are impoverished by the effects of climate change. We think of those suffering with the intense heat, with lack of rain, with drought, with crops being destroyed, with wells drying up and there being no drinking water. For those living in fear of yet another storm, typhoon or hurricane, bringing flooding and structural damage. 
for those fighting forest fires and those living under the possibility of landslides. And so we pray, rest for the ravaged earth, oceans and streams, plundered and poisoned, our future, our dreams. Lord, end our madness, carelessness, greed. Make us content with the things that we need. God of the poor, friend of the weak, grant us compassion, we pray. Melt our cold hearts. Let tears fall like rain. Come, change our lives from a spark to a flame. Lighten our darkness, Lord. Breathe on this flame until your justice burns brightly again. Until the nations learn of your ways, seek your salvation and bring you their praise. And Father, our final prayer. Thy kingdom come. Amen. Alison, I'm just going to change things slightly, Claire. I'm going to spring this on you and ask that you might come and uh, give your word to uh, us now. But as, um, as you do come up, can, can we pray for Claire, please? Lord, we pray for Claire. We thank you that she can join us today. We thank you that she's been obedient to your calling on her life. And we pray for her now. Use her, Lord. May her words be your words. And may we listen and be obedient also. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Uh, It's really good to uh, be here with you again. I think um, we... Uh, figured out it was 2018 that I um, was here for my first visit um, to Brighton Road. So uh, thank you for inviting me uh, back to update you a bit on the uh, work in Chad and also just to share a few thoughts on the passage that um, was read to us earlier. So um, I think it's already been said, but if we could just have the BMS slide, that would be great. Um, I work with an organisation called BMS World Mission in a country called Chad. And um, yeah, the next slide will be great with a map. So um, for those of you who don't know where Chad is, it is there where the big red arrow is pointing. And uh, it's completely landlocked, um, surrounded by um, six different countries. So we've got Libya to the direct north, and then Sudan round to the east, uh, Central African Republic to the south, Cameroon to the southwest, and Niger and Nigeria to um, the west. So totally landlocked. Um, which makes coming from Torquay um, interesting, (laughs) living by the sea, uh, before I went to Chad uh, in January 2016. So where do I work? We're going to have the next slide. This um, shows a photo outside of Guinea Board 2, or also shortened often to G2, hospital. Uh, I have worked there, like I say, since um, January 2016. This is some of the staff, not all of them. Um, obviously, it's a hospital open 24-7, so it's impossible to get a photo of absolutely everyone there all at once. Um, so this is probably about half of the um, staff outside, outside the gate. 
the hospital is called Guinea Board 2 Hospital because that's the village that it is um, that it's based in. So Guinea Board 2 is a village or a suburb really of the capital N'Djamena. And so that's where the hospital gets its name from. A lot of people ask me why it's called that. So yeah, just after the name um, of the village. Uh, we have the hospital's been growing both um, yeah, physically and in terms of the numbers of patients that have been attending. Um, so when I first started um, at Guinea Bore um, in the start of 2016, we had 65 members of Chadian staff. We now have just over 100. Um, so the hospital is getting bigger and bigger. It is only actually 11 years old, Guinea Bore Hospital. So um, in terms of mission hospitals, it is quite young. Um, so yeah, we have now just over 100 Chadian members of staff and a growing um, international mission worker team. Can I have the next slide, please? So this is quite a busy slide. I'm not going to read every line out, um, but it's just to give you a flavour of um, the amount of work that um, goes through, the amount of patients that go through the hospital. So in um, 2021, I think we had around um, 15,000 patients um, in the year. And the first figures on each line there are the monthly averages so far for 2022. Um, for the different areas of the hospital, and the ones in brackets are the equivalent for, uh, monthly averages for 2021. So most areas are getting busier. So hopefully that means that people trust the work of the hospital um, and want to come either themselves or bring their family or friends to have treatment there. Okay, next slide, please. So um, my, what's my role at G2 Hospital? So my um, primary training is as a pharmacist, so that's why I'm sent there to work in the pharmacy. However, as is often the case for mission workers, you end up ending up with a lot more strings to your bow than what you originally went out with. Um, so I am now a member of the um, senior management team, or the SMT for short. There are six of us on that team, and uh, we make um, yeah, daily running decisions of the hospital and are accountable to the hospital governance board. I'm also, if we can go back to the previous slide, please. Um, I'm also the um, team leader of the BMS mission workers. Um, so since I was here in 2018, at that point in time, I was the only BMS mission worker at Guinea Bore. Um, but since then, we've had two families um, join through with BMS and also a couple. Um, so the next slide shows um, the British contingent of the BMS mission workers at Guinea Bore. Um, so the two families are there and the couple... Um, and then opposite me in that photo is Aminta, who, is, who was just visiting at the time, who's our, um, the country leader for BMS, um, but based in the UK. So she kind of looks after us from this side of things. Uh, and then also supported by um, BMS and unable to attend the meal that we went to when we took that photo. On the next slide is um, Kalbasu. Um, so he is our Cameroonian um, general director of the hospital. He is also the main surgeon. Um, very busy guy, um, and this is a picture of him and his family. So those, um, the, the British um, contingent in the first picture, and then Kalbasu and his family are the um, BMS-supported workers at Guinea Bore. However, it is not just BMS that send workers to, um, to Guinea Bore to uh, make up the international mission worker team there. There are um, other organisations that send people, so uh, there are people there from um, a lot of other countries, including um, Ethiopia, USA, Germany and France. And the next slide please shows um, a picture of us all uh, on Easter Sunday enjoying a meal together. So that is now the, um, the international team at Guinea Bore. 
Okay, next slide, please. So um, I was very uh, pleased with my rhyming here. What's new at G2? So what's new, um, I've kind of not updated the more recent stuff. A lot has happened in the four years since I was last here, um, but it'll take me a long time to explain all that. So uh, I've just gone back six, 12 months um, and what's, what's happened in those um, six or 12 months. For those of you who um, have followed uh, what I do at Guinea and get my prayer letters, um, a lot of you will know that we've been praying for a long time for more surgeons. Um, we'd ideally like a um, full-time surgeon, but uh, God's answered our prayer um, kind of half so far. Um, and in April this year, we um, welcomed Dr. Carmen, who is a um, German surgeon, uh, to the team, and she works part-time. So that's helping, uh, helping Calva Sue out. Um, and then apart from that, there's a few other things that um, have happened in the last six to 12 months that just like to update you on. So the first one, next slide please, um, is the Pharmacy Revolving Drugs Fund. So many of you will know from either previous talks I've done or in my prayer letters that acquiring medicines in Chad is often challenging. Then there's the cash flow situation at the hospital to consider. The hospital is a non-profit organisation um, and so everything is ploughed back in uh, to the hospital and we live very hand-to-mouth. Um, and so much so that we are often having to buy medicines on credit um, with our understanding suppliers. Now, one idea that the management team, the SMT, had to get around this and make it work a bit better was to start a revolving drugs fund. Now, the idea behind this is that a big sum of cash is donated, and that was actually given to us by BMS um, in January of this year. So if you support BMS and the work at Guinea Ball, this is the kind of stuff that you are supporting. Um, so BMS gave us a grant in January 2022 uh, to the tune of £40,000, um, which would enable us to buy just three months worth of medications and other supplies um, for the hospital. So the idea behind that was that we would buy that three months supply. We would then save the bulk of the income from the sale of the medicine. There's no NHS in Chad. Everyone has to pay for everything. Um, we obviously keep the prices as low as we can. Uh, so we would keep the, the bulk of the income from the sale of the medicines in a separate ring-fenced fund, um, which would then allow us to buy the next three months of um, medicines and so on. So we started this process on the 1st of March this year, and so we've just finished the first three-month um, cycle and ordered the next three months. So as lots of this stuff, um, when you're starting new processes, it had a few teething problems, but overall it's gone really well. And uh, one unexpected but pleasant surprise was that because we were buying three months supply in one go, we were able to get small discounts from some of the suppliers. Previously, we only got um, one month supply at a time because that's all we could afford. Um, and so the orders weren't big enough to attract purchase discounts. So the photo there on the screen now shows uh, yep, me in the front, uh, with my ever-faithful colleague Audrey, um, who's the head of pharmacy, uh, in the back of the photo, and then our trusty colleague Cleopas in the middle, who deputises for Audrey when, uh, when Audrey's away. So we're posing in just part of the stockroom, um, which was full to the brim, having just received the first three-month order back in March. And uh, yeah, we're hopeful that the revolving fund will function well. Um, like I say, we've just done the next, or Audrey has just done the next um, order, uh, three-month order at the beginning of June. Um, and it will hopefully ensure that we don't have to keep buying things on credit um, and can pay up front for things. And that's obviously also going to help the suppliers out as well. 
So that's the first big thing that we've done in the last uh, few months. The next um, thing is computers. Um, so previous to this April, the only computers in the whole hospital were in the admin and finance room. So there were three laptops in there for the general manager, the administrator, and the accountant, and that was it. So um, every time people were paying for things, um, it was all done on paper receipts. And in the pharmacy, um, everything, all our medications and other stocks, um, it was all done on paper um, records in folders. So gone are now our paper receipts and gone are the paper stock records and in has come technology. And as I said to Audrey just before I left, G2 has entered the 21st century. Um, so introducing the uh, IT system, again, it was paid for by a grant by BMS. Um, that's been a bit challenging, extremely challenging actually, um, but we know that uh, in the long run it will be extremely beneficial and time-saving in lots of ways. But as anyone who has gone from a paper-based system to a computer-based system for anything uh, will know, the transition was, uh, yeah, was tough. Coupled with the fact that it was going from paper to computer was the fact that the majority of the staff that were going to have to use this new system had never used a computer before. Um, so that was a lot of training in itself, just how to use a computer um, before they could also learn the software that they needed to learn. So we actually engaged a local Chadian IT firm, which was recommended to us by another hospital in the capital. Um, and we prefer to get local-based um, organisations, companies, if we can, because it just makes the follow-up a lot easier um, if anything goes wrong. Um, whereas if we get people from UK or the States or wherever, anywhere else in Europe, something goes wrong, it's always a bit, of a, a bit complicated to get things sorted out. So we um, found a trustworthy um, Chadian IT firm. They knew their stuff, great guys. Um, and they installed the equipment, trained the staff first how to use a computer and then how to use um, the software. And uh, hats off to our Chadian staff, they really put the, the effort in, went the extra mile, came in on days off for training um, and yeah, have learned well how to use the system. I think they had three weeks from never having used a computer to going live with patients in front of them. So um, yeah, hats off to them to getting up to speed and how to, how to do all the receipts. And then for our part, Audrey and I have had to learn um, the stock management system, which is a separate bit of software. And uh, that meant full manual stock take of absolutely everything we hold in pharmacy, which is over 200 items. And the next slide um, shows me in Cleopas counting some of the tablets. Um, a lot of them come in blister packs. They're a lot easier to count than this in strips of 10. Um, but we have about 10 um, items that come in pots of a thousand and a lot of them had only just been opened so we were counting 800 900 tablets but uh, it was a means means to an end and uh, yeah get a baseline um, inventory to put in on the computer stock record so the next slide shows um, Audrey in the dispensing area with his computer and the printer on the little shelf at the, underneath the counter and the next picture shows um, me in the pharmacy stockroom with our laptop there where we manage all the stock um, and we can create our orders on it and everything. It's great. Yeah, no more paper-based ordering or um, stock management. So, yeah, it's very exciting. So that all happened in um, April, yeah, so just before I came back for home assignment. Uh, moving away from pharmacy-related stuff now, but other um, stuff that's wider for the hospital, but which I was involved in, um, was uh, a new physiotherapy building. So um, this was a lot longer a process. 
Um, so in February of 2021, so last February, the management team made an application to the Guernsey Overseas Aid and Development Commission, which is the um, Aid and Development Commission for the Guernsey government. Um, and we applied to them for funding for a new physio building. The photo here shows where the physios currently work in a room that was never designed for physiotherapy, created between two shipping containers with a tin roof over the top. Um, they've done well, and they've done a lot of work in that room over um, three or four years, um, but really do need something bigger and uh, more bespoke. So we found out in the summer of last year that the funding had been approved, and after a wait for the first tranche of money to filter through to us in Chad, work started on the new building in November of 2021. So the next slide is yeah, just a few of the building of going up. So that's the foundations in and the cement pad going up. I say it in you know, five seconds, but it, it's all done manually. All the foundations are dug out manually. Um, yeah, so a lot of work. Next, yeah, just the walls going up. And the next slide, um, if we can stop on this next slide, that'd be great. Um, this is it ready for the roof to go on. However, because of how the funding works with organisations like GOAC, um, they only send it in, in tranches. So they just sent us 45% of the funding. So we had to get as far as we could um, according to our budget um, with that 45% and then send them a report, say what we'd done, how we'd spent the money, um, all the receipts and everything. And then once they were happy that we'd spent it as we said we were going to, they then sent the next lot of money. So unfortunately the building stood like this for about six weeks whilst we're waiting for the next um, tranche of money to come through but it did come through and at the beginning of May the building looked like the next slide that's the back entrance of it um, with the um, yeah, back entrance out and then um, inside it's looking like this and it opens up a lot to the back it's not in the photo so they've got two consultation rooms on the right hand side left hand side is the stock room and then there's areas for all their equipment and stuff further back um, and I, if I understand correctly, it's actually opening tomorrow. Um, so they're going to be going in and yeah, using their nice spacious area from tomorrow. So that'll be yeah, really exciting. Um, this slide is another um, aspect of um, the work at Guinea Bore. So I mentioned that we have mission workers from other countries. And the guy on the right in that picture is um, actually sent through AIM, anyone who's heard of Africa Inland Mission. Um, that's uh, Milion, who is Ethiopian, an evangelical Ethiopian pastor. Um, and he works um, and does the chaplaincy work at the hospital. And uh, one thing that's happened uh, last May, so just over a year ago, was that the um, full Bible became available in Chadian Arabic. Previously, it was only available um, as the New Testament. So um, the two official languages of Chad are French and Chadian Arabic. Um, but the majority of patients and people that come to Guinea Bore Hospital only speak Chadian Arabic. So it's really great that they have now got access to the full Bible um, in their language. Um, and this picture shows um, two Korean missionaries. They don't work at the hospital. They work at a different um, organization in N'Djamena. But they donated some boxes of Bibles to the hospital um, for Milion and his colleagues. Um, and they, are, they have been put by the side of every bed. We still have um, holders by the sides of every bed um, with Bibles in. So that was, that was a great um, development. So no talk about um, the hospital would be complete without speaking about one of the 15,000 people that we saw last year and treated. Um, so this is a picture of um, baby Zara. So that's not her real name. Uh, and she, this was taken in April of this year 
after she'd been under treatment as an inpatient and then as an outpatient at Guinea-Bore for six months. So she was initially admitted to the children's ward in uh, October 2021 um, and she was found to be extremely weak and malnourished. At this point in time, last October, she was 12 months old and weighed just over six kilos. Um, an average 12-month-old here would weigh about nine and a half kilos, so she was severely underweight. Um, she was found to have very low haemoglobin levels, anemia in her blood, um, and needed a blood transfusion. She also had an infection that needed treating, and unfortunately that is common in malnourished kids as they have malnutrition and then they get other illnesses on the top. So those things needed to be treated first before we could then tackle the malnutrition. So uh, blood transfusions work slightly differently in Chad than they do here in the UK. Um, there is a, a central blood bank, um, but it's not very often used. Um, people have to pay for the blood, um, the equivalent of about £10 for a, blood, a bag of blood, one unit, um, which is a lot, a lot of money for people to pay out. So what happens more often than not is that patients' relatives are expected to be tested to see if they're a match. And if they are, after we've um, checked them for any infections, make sure their blood's nice and clean. Um, they then give a unit of blood in the laboratory at Guinea-Bore, um, which is then more or less immediately transfused into the patient. Zara um, unfortunately didn't have any family members available who could donate blood to her. Um, and so because I was a compatible blood group, I donated some blood to be transfused into her. And um, that is quite a common occurrence that staff members, either international or Chadian, um, will give blood to patients um, if they need it. Um, I was quite fascinated by, this is just how my brain works, um, by the fact that I could take a photo of a bag of my own blood. So the next slide is that. So look away. I was going to say, look, um, this is me giving you a warning. Like a bag of blood's coming on the screen. So, um, yeah, look away if you don't want to see a bag of blood. So anyway, the next slide brings Zara back up. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so following um, her blood transfusion and we um, treated the uh, other infection that she had, um, we were able to start treating um, Zara for malnutrition. And this um, took the form of therapeutic uh, milks at the beginning, um, followed by a peanut paste. And uh, she stayed in hospital for a total of 18 days. And then since then, she was discharged at the end of October last year. She's been regularly attending the outpatient malnutrition clinic. And now, um, six, seven months later, she has grown and weighs over eight kilos. Uh, so she has a little way to go to reach her target weight for her age um, and she continues to receive, um, her mum gets therapeutic food from the clinic each week to supplement her diet until she can gain and maintain her weight with a normal diet. One of the most marked improvements in Zara is with the, her interaction with the nurses and doctors. When she first came into hospital, she would cry every time she was approached, whether that was from the scary white people or um, from the Chadian staff, she just cried. Um, and now, while she, while she still has a very serious nature, as you can see in the photo, um, she's interested in what's going on. Um, she's trusting of the staff when they examine her, and she's even been known to crack the occasional smile. So that's good, good news and a good news story for one of the patients we've treated. So just before I give um, my short um, uh, devotion on the passage that um, I, we read earlier, I just wanted to share um, four prayer points. Um, 
my prayer letters have um, obviously more up-to-date um, and continually updating prayer points. So if you want to sign up for that, there is a list, um, a sheet on a table out there. So um, if you want to get that in email, please um, do sign up and then you can have my prayer letters. They come out every two months. So um, please, as I've already mentioned, um, join us in uh, praying, continuing to pray for a full-time surgeon. Um, the extra surgeons we have is great, but we could really do with another full-time surgeon to work alongside Calvasu. Um, please also pray for wisdom um, for the SMT. Calvasu is on the SMT um, with me and four others. Um, pray for pray for wisdom for us. We have to make um, a lot of complicated um, decisions on an almost weekly basis. Um, generally HR related, um, often financially financial related as well. So um, please pray for us as we um, as we discuss and make decisions for the running of the hospital. Uh, pray also for ongoing safety and security for the hospital workers. Majority of the international staff live on site. There's a residential area of the compound, but the Chadian staff all live off site um, and they um, yeah, have to come and go obviously on a daily basis. So pray for their safety and security. The roads aren't always very safe um, and they come on motorbikes mainly. Um, so yeah, pray for their, their safety and security. And please also pray for continuing political stability in Chad. I won't go on um, in all the detail behind that, but um, there were some issues last year. Um, and uh, yeah, they are, things are ongoing. Things are stable um, right now, but um, yeah, there are things under the surface. So um, please pray for political stability in Chad. I'm happy to answer any more questions anyone may have on that, um, if you have any, at the end of the service. Okay, thanks. We can have the next slide, the picture, please. That'd be great. So, um, yeah, just a little word that I felt God was um, giving me when I was still in Chad um, to bring to the churches when I was updating on the hospital. Um, and it's based on the passage that Margaret read to us earlier. So this photo was taken on the 3rd of April this year, and it's outside my kitchen window in Chad. And if you can look on top of what looks like a cement bench, um, uh, with a load of hosepipe around it. There's actually a, um, a cement, it's actually a bird bath, and those are birds around the top of it. Um, there's about 10 or a dozen little birds there. And uh, apart from being nice to look at from my kitchen window, uh, I'm often struck by the fact that these birds really depend on this water. And that's because when this photo was taken, it hadn't rained in Chad for five months. And that's totally normal for the climate of Chad, but the ground is dry, surface water is obviously lacking and these birds love coming to my bird bath because it's a nice water source in a totally parched land and as i was taking this photo i was reminded of matthew 6 verse 26 look at the birds of the air they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them or in this case gives them water are you not much more valuable than they this whole passage that we read from verses 25 to 34 focuses on worry, what it is and what the antidote is. In verse 25 we read, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not much more than food and the body more than clothes? This verse and the whole passage actually is not saying, Do nothing, sit back, let life, food, money land in your lap that would be contradictory to what's written 
elsewhere in the Bible, such as Ephesians 4, verse 28, which says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. And also Titus uh, 3, verse 14, which says, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. So this passage rather is warning us about excessive concern or worry about things when you've done all that's humanly possible to plan and provide. And we'll return to this thought in a little bit. So God created us humans. Why would he therefore not provide all that we need to live life on earth? And bear in mind that it's all we need, not all we want or desire. Um, they are very, two very different things. We need to learn from the birds in my bird bath at, at my bird bath in Chad. They've no means to store anything away, but God still provides food and water for them. If God does this for lowly birds, won't he do it for us too? Humans that are created in his image, who he loves and who he wants to succeed. I speak to myself here primarily. I worry a lot about many different things. It's not easy to stop. And I'm on a journey with God working on it. And I'm grateful to him for his patience and grace with me as I try and worry less and trust him more. If we take a look again at verses 38, sorry, 28 to 30, the meaning of see how the flowers grow means not just a cursory glance, but a real deep, studious look. If God creates and sustains beautiful flowers here one minute and gone the next, how much more will he sustain us humans? the pinnacle of his creation. Reading the statement, you have little faith, at the end of verse 30, sorry, regarding the statement, um, you have little faith, at the end of verse 30, one commentator writes, it does not follow from our Lord's application of the expression, you have little faith, that it is an exercise of faith to sit with our arms folded, expecting support from the divine providence without any action of our own. But after having done what prudence directs for providing the necessities of life, we ought to trust in God, believing that he will make our labours effectual by his blessing. Depend on God. In the West, we're not great at doing this, are we? We're so self-reliant and independent, but that's not how God wants us to live. I take a great lesson from my Chadian brothers and sisters in Christ. In their culture and upbringing, reliance on God is not, and not on self or others is ingrained from birth. Their reliance on God is phenomenal and a huge challenge to me personally in how I live out my faith. Reliance on God is a daily practice for them, and as a result, they generally worry less. Why? Because they daily express, often verbally, reliance on God, and they rightly believe that he's trustworthy. Therefore, they've no need to worry. Reliance on self always leads to worry because we innately know that we're flawed and not always trustworthy. Back in our passage in Matthew chapter 6, verse 32 states that God knows what we need and therefore we don't need to worry. The antidote to worry and the thing that will turn our minds from it and onto reliance on God is stated in verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What? How do we do that? Through prayer. Seek God, 
seek righteousness through God and not other means. And once you've done this, firstly and principally, God in his wisdom will provide all you need in life. As the commentator Matthew Henry writes, the conclusion is that by daily prayers, we may get strength to bear us up under our daily troubles and to arm us against the temptations that attend them. Prayer is the antidote to worry. It follows that if our prayer life is patchy, worry will inevitably follow. First, seek God through prayer. Then work and do what you humanly can and then watch and wait as God, in his perfect way and timing, works all things out for the good of those who love him. Thank you. And so, um, as an encouragement, um, we're going to... Um, lead one another as we sing a hymn that is so familiar but it reminds us that we have a hope like no other regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in whether they're in Chad or here in the UK that we can praise God for the hope that he gives us like no other the story that we can declare because of him let's stand to sing blessed assurance to your service, O Lord. Let us hold fast to that which is good, render to no person evil for evil, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, and honour all people. Let us love and serve others, and in so doing, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of his Spirit. And may God's blessing be upon us, and remain with us always. Amen. Amen.